0: From the WIA News Hub in Brisbane and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA.
1: With the WIA News for week commencing May 13, the Mother's Day weekend in VK, I'm Graham VK for Baker Baker. CubeSat Workshop in Canberra. Australia is to hold a low-cost space missions workshop in July that will explore the NASA CubeSat initiative to include an 8-kilogram 6U satellite designed to perform some of the Earth observation missions of larger 100-kilogram microsatellites. The 6U CubeSat has a range of possible missions related to astronomy, atmospheric and other planetary science, space physics, observation and biology. The workshop is particularly aimed at scientists and engineers interested in payload and mission concepts that take advantage of the greater payload capacity of the 6U CubeSat. The technology keynote speaker is John Hines, Chief Technologist, NASA Ames Research Centre. Science keynote is Professor Harvey Butcher, Director Research School of Astronomy and Astrophysics, and the Chair, Dr Stephen Titus, Senior Research Associate, Australian Centre for Space Engineering Research, University of NSW. Registration details of the July 17 and 18 workshop in Canberra, the world's first on the 6U CubeSat, are now available. You can find that by going to wia.org.au and reading the text edition of this, the weekly WIA National News Service. Still up in the air, maybe not quite as high as a satellite, but summits on the air activity is growing in VK. SOTA activity has continued to increase in April with new summits, activators, operators activating for the first time and more operators joining the SOTA chase. Summits activated include Mount Cope in the Victorian High Country, Mount Langigurin, Mount Abrupt and Mount Sturgeon in and near the Grampians and no less than five summits within two metre range of Melbourne. Chasers have come from most call areas of VK and a good number from Europe. A Life may be too short for QRP, but QRP is making it to Europe on 20 metres. Efforts are continuing to bring SOTA activations to summits in VK 1, 2 and 5. If you'd like to help out or simply find out more, check out the Yahoo groups of SOTA Australia. And if you'd like to know more about SOTA and are in Melbourne, the EMDRC are having a SOTA presentation by VK3WAM, that's next Friday. All are welcome to attend this meeting starting at 8pm in the EMDRC Club Rooms, Milpara Scout Hall, that's 13A McCubbin Street at Burwood.
2: Are
3: you coming to the WIA Annual Conference? Being held in Mildura over the weekend of the 25th, 26th and 27th of this month. For those staying for the full weekend, a barbecue is being held on Sunday evening at Fergus Park, Nichols Point. Fergus Park, a historic park with LED lighting, will be a fantastic venue for this memorable barbecue and a great way to finish off the weekend. The annual conference will be an action-packed weekend filled with many, many activities. For those of you who are still to register for the annual conference, you can do so by the link on the homepage of the WIA website. See you in Mildura.
4: This is Philip, BK3JNI, with a brief update on the WIA National Field Day. Over the weekend of the 14th and 15th of April, radio clubs in all states of Australia continue to promote the hobby of amateur radio. Many private stations were also heard on the air, assisting these stations with contacts and reports. The clubs and individual operators who made the effort to demonstrate the hobby of amateur radio to the public should receive the congratulations of not only the WIA membership, but the amateur radio community as a whole. Hundreds of people encountered our field day stations during this major public relations activity. The challenge now for the participating teams is to convert some of the interest generated into new amateur radio operators and enthusiasts. Firstly, I thank the participating teams in VK3 for the welcome I received over the two days. I was impressed with the effort and enthusiasm displayed by the operators and all those present at the stations. Please remember to submit your reports and logs to the WIA before Friday the 18th of May. The WIA wish to acknowledge your work in promoting the hobby.
1: Hammers across Australia, it's to VK1, and as all amateur radio operators are continually trying for that last long-distance QSO, so one outer space contact was made in VK1 last month. A successful contact made between St Anthony's Parish School in Canberra and Earth Telebridge Ground Station VK5ZAI in Kingston, South Australia, With Keith Pugh, W5IU in Fort Worth, Texas, as Master of Ceremonies, as the school spoke to Commander Dan Burbank, the current commander of Expedition 30, on board the International Space Station. Yes, a full school hall was present to witness this amazing event. All the students at the school were asked to write a question to the astronauts, of which ten lucky students were selected to ask the commander, Dan, their questions, of which he provided excellent responses to the students. The contact is made using a phone patch device to an analogue line that is connected back to Tony VK5ZAI's base station. A lengthy run of phone cable was required to patch the device into the school's fax line located at the front of the school to the school hall on the other end of the campus. Now once this cable run was achieved, Tony mails the phone patch and then it's set up with a line and auditorium speakers. This allowed eventually for around a 10-minute window to talk from acquisition of signal to loss of signal when the space station dips over the horizon. After the successful contact, the 10 students that talked to Dan were awarded a certificate signed by Michael Owen, President WIA, and Tony Hutchinson, VK5ZAI. Peter, VK1IRC, who was in command in Canberra, hopes to work with Tony again in the future and provide more schools and students in Canberra area the opportunity to talk with an astronaut, all in the name of education and what can be achieved in the world of amateur
0: radio. The Moorabbin District Amateur Radio Club of VK3 are pleased to announce this year's Hamfest will be held at a brand new location with improved access and parking. This year's event will be at the Southern Community Centre, Rupert Drive, Mulgrave, Saturday twenty sixth of May with doors opening at ten a.m. The Morabin Radio Club's annual hamfest is proud to be Victoria's biggest, with displays and sales of new and pre-loved equipment. A must-come, must-see event for anyone interested in radio communications and electronics. Major door prizes, free tea and coffee, light refreshments and a sausage sizzle will also be on offer. Traded table bookings and general inquiries can be made by emailing Graham Lewis, VK3GL at WAA.org.au or Lee VK3GK at WAA.org.au. Phone numbers and more details at mdrc.org.au. A must-see, must-come event.
1: From VK three to VK four and unfortunately, FNAG twenty twelve has been cancelled. At the May Management Meeting of the TARC Incorporated, it was reluctantly decided to cancel participation in the Far North and North Queensland Amateur Radio Gathering. Due mainly, we're told, to lack of support from far northern clubs who will be otherwise engaged in other activities during the Queen's Jubilee long weekend. South, however, the Clareview gathering weekend was a great success during the May long weekend. Hams from as far as Charters Towers and Gladstone made a beeline to the Clareview Beach Holiday Park to enjoy a weekend of catching up, idea swapping, relaxing, outdoor cooking, portable radio ops and participation in a fox hunt session. Also recently, Clive, vk 4 acc Secretary of the Radar Club in Rockhampton, did a 40-minute presentation on radio and F-licensing at a local primary school. All Grade 6 and 7 pupils attended, the kids loved it, were interested enough to stay behind and ask questions. Looks like a weekend in training and a day doing assessments for a couple of students and teachers.
5: Greetings from the WIA, this is Youn VK4ARM, considering looking out for your mates in many direct and indirect ways. Operating our equipment in a comfortable shack at home, mobile through innumerable places in this broad land, or setting up a field or portable station for a contest, or to escape urban RF noise, provide ample opportunities for looking out for your mates. Unfortunately, it is a truism that familiarity does breed contempt, or at least avoidable carelessness or the taking of unnecessary risks. Sometimes, the first we become aware of The error of judgment is when the situation goes wrong, resulting in damage to what we have been working on, a minor physical inconvenience or personal injury. What would you reasonably expect a mate to do in such circumstances? What would you do if you were to witness the potential for such a situation occurring? In the first case, a friendly word of caution from your mate may be all that was needed to jolt you out of complacency to reconsider your course of action. In the second case, wouldn't you believe it was your responsibility to caution your mate in the likely outcome of his or her actions? Either way, both situations demonstrate looking out for your mates, and unlikely to cause offence with real mates. The foregoing physical cause and effect situations are readily observable, to which we can spontaneously react, without offence to those with whom we are familiar Far worse and more insidious is the onset and manifestation of mental stress. The gradual change in the behaviour of a mate may be so subtle that in the long term we don't notice it, nor become aware of the past and present circumstances causing the change. However, it is unfortunate that the first we become aware that a mate is under stress is when he or she explodes or crashes with unpredictable behaviour and outcomes. This is when you have to be looking out for your mates hopefully before the situations come to a head, and afterward, if too late. We like to think we know and understand those whom we have known for years or decades, but the reality is there may be disturbing or traumatic events buried in their memory and eating away at their very being. Events and emotions they have never communicated to others, not even their mates. Those in the far-reaching fraternity of Amateur Radio are no different, And if you become aware of changes in the personality and behaviour of your amateur radio friends in any circumstances, then it is truly time to be looking out for your mates. The changes you see may be their cry for help. Look out for your mates. This has been you on VK4ERM for the WIA From
0: the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1WIA.
2: Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ. Special Events and On Air Contest Column, Dateline 2012. VK Shires Contest, June 9 and 10. BK Winter VHF UHF Field Day june twenty three and twenty four ZL NZAT Memorial Contest july first for weekend VK ZL Trans Tasman Contest eighty plus one hundred sixty meters july twenty one VK Remembrance Day Contest August eleven and twelve Worldwide International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend August eighteen and nineteen. VK Spring VHF UHF Field Day, November 24 and 25. Special Event Stations DX and Beacon and NetAdvice. Repeater for Android. The latest version of Repeater for Android in Playbook by ZBM2 Software now includes repeater information for Australia VK as well as the UK, Germany, Italy, Poland, Norway, Spain with more countries soon. Features Easily found amateur radio repeaters across the UK, Europe, and Australia. Complete database of UK analog, IRLP, EchoLink, and D-Star repeaters. Growing database of German, Italian, Polish, Norwegian, Spanish, and Australian repeaters. With more countries soon. Use network, GPS, or a locator to find repeaters. Displays distance, heading, and full repeater details. Fast and flexible. Designed to help you use the repeater network. The repeater will remain free. There will never be any charge for people to use it. E51WL in the North Cook Islands has been heard on 6 metres. Keep an ear open for him just before 2300 hours UTC on or around 50.120 megahertz. QSL has directed on the air. One for the Prefix Hunters to look out for this month is R1945HS, which is celebrating the 67th anniversary of the end of World War II. The call will be in use until May 31, and QSL Info is via RW6HS. Logbook of the World marks 50,000 users. On May 1, Dragan Pavlovich, YT3PDT, completed his registration process for Logbook of the World, becoming the 50,000th person to take advantage of the ARRL's online QSL confirmation system. According to A W L Membership and Volunteer Programs Manager Dave Patton, NN1N, there are more than 3,500 individuals from outside the U.S. in the process of obtaining a digital certificate, and more than 1,800 individuals inside the U.S. who have started the certificate process, but not yet finished. 4KS0NG, Eurovision Song Contest, Azerbaijan. Sixteen amateur radio special event stations are being run in Azerbaijan to celebrate the Eurovision Song Contest. The 2012 Eurovision Song Contest will take place on the 22nd, 24th and 26th of May in the capital of Azerbaijan, Baku. Azerbaijan won the right to host the contest when viewers and professional juries across Europe chose their 2011 entry, Running Scared, by El Niki as winner. The Federation of Radio Sport of Azerbaijan will be celebrating Eurovision Song Contest 2012 and is sponsoring a commemorative diploma Famature radio stations that have established two-way communications with Eurovision 2012, special event stations from Azerbaijan. All stations end with the suffix S-0-N-G, or just think of it as the word SONG. The News workbench, the nuts and bolts report, measure twice, cut once. High-performance HF transceiver design. The free fortnightly magazine EDN, Electronic Design News, features an article about amateur radio high-performance HF transceiver design. The article by Doug Grant, K1DG, describes how high-end ham radio equipment reaches new levels of performance using state-of-the-art technology and design tricks. Check out the EDN latest issue and start building. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, vk 4 fuq Q, From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and
0: WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed
3: by VK1 WIA. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's worldwide special interest group news. Worldwide special interest groups digital. FDMDV, open source 1400 bits per second HF modem. David VK5DGR has made available open source software for a 1400 bits per second HF modem. FDMDV stands for Frequency Division Multiplex Digital Voice. An FDM modem is basically a bunch of slow modems running in parallel. For example, FDMDV has 14 carriers spaced 75Hz apart, each running at 50 symbols per second. Due to multipath problems on HF, this approach works better than one carrier running at 14 times 50 or 700 symbols per second. Each symbol is encoded two bits using differential QPSK, so the bit rate is 1400 bits per second. One of the applications of the modem will be digital voice, since it offers fast sync, no multi-second training sequences, the ability to recover quickly after fade and no automatic retransmit of bad packets. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet, the HAMS domain. R Finder for Apple Portable Products released. W2CYK has announced the latest platform release of R Finder, the Worldwide Repeater Directory. The new version is designed for Apple iPhone, iPad, and iPod users and is available for immediate download from the Apple App Store. Previous versions of R-Finder run on Android-based gear and can be found online with a quick Google search. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ILLW, a milestone for the ILLW scored in the USA. The Westside Amateur Radio Club of Los Angeles, W6A, is the 200th registration for this year's International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, with its members setting up at the Point Furman Lighthouse. The stick-style lighthouse is an early Victorian architectural method characterised by its gable roofs, horizontal siding, decorative cross beams and hand-carved porch railings. A decade ago, the lighthouse was restored. The entry by the Westside Amateur Radio Club will put USA on 28 registrations, behind Australia with 38 and Germany with 33, followed by England with 16 and with the Netherlands on 13 and the total countries involved so far nearing 30. International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend is a fun event. It'll be held for the 15th time on August the 18th and 19th. Check it out and register for the weekend by visiting the website illw.net. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne.
0: From the WIA News Hub in Perth and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1
6: WIA. What use is an F-call? Recently I found myself discussing satellite communications with a group of amateurs. It dawned on me that I'd been using one watt to transmit to geostationary orbit more than 35,000 kilometres away. Compared to a circumnavigation of the Earth at 40,000 kilometres, that's most of the way there. Yes, I know, there's no obstacles, it's basically focused line of sight, but you don't get the ionosphere bounce or ducting either, so I figure it all balances out in the long run. My point being that this is a QRP broadcast, less than 5 watts, and it gets into orbit. That's quite something, if you think about it. I continue to hear amateurs complaining about how little power they have. It's not limited to foundation calls. I hear standard licensees hanging out for their advanced calls so they can use more power, and I hear advanced calls complain that other countries can use a kilowatt. So why can't we? What's next? A megawatt? What about a gigawatt amateur radio transmitter? While I completely understand the pull towards more power, and I applaud those who are working to increasing our allocation, I don't really share the same need. To me, it's a little like the turbo button on an IBM PC. Or souping up your car. I get it's a challenge. I get that it can be fun, and I get that it does more when it goes faster. I get that we learn from pushing the envelope and potentially breaking things. What I don't get is that there is the equivalent of disdain for those who try to achieve their aims using less power. To me, the skill is in getting the job done with as little power as possible. It's better for the bands, it's better for interference, power consumption, wear and tear, danger, and all the other things that come from pushing more power. Why is it that more power is more important than less power? I'm Honour, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo.
5: Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. On the central coast of New South Wales, it can be heard on the CCARC VK2RAG 2 meter repeater on 146.725MHz at 10am every Sunday. I'm Ed. VK2ARE
7: International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, AR Victoria and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Julian Sortland, VK2YJS slash AG6LE. Drop the news desk and items through the week using Wi-Fi over the North Sea. Are you a Norwegian living in Australia? Did you know you can use the AX prefix to celebrate your National Day, 17 May, here in Australia? This is because the Norwegian National Day, known simply as 17 May, happens to coincide with World Communications Day, for which the ACMA allows any VK amateur use of the AX prefix. And if you do hear an LA, LB or LC station, or a rare JW or JY, wish them happy 17 May. California copper thieves upgrade to fibre optics. Copper thieves in California have expanded to stealing glass as well. In this case, we're talking about glass as in fibre optic cable. In one case, some AT&T customers in the city of Alpine experienced disruptions in phone and internet service after thieves stole copper and fibre optic wiring from underground lines. The thieves took about 75 feet of 600 strand fibre optic cable along with the copper wiring. To accomplish this, the robbers climbed into a manhole and cut into the underground pipes. An AT&T spokesman said that three conduits carrying fibre optic and copper cables were damaged and that the vandalism affected some cell phone users as well. The theft of fibre optic lines is something new and could signal a developing market for this kind of product. Delphi C3D064 celebrates four years in space. The three-unit CubeSat, developed by a university in the Netherlands, was launched on the 28th of April 2008. The nanosatellite has since performed technology demonstration experiments for the space industry in the Netherlands. It still transmits its telemetry and measurement data, which can be received using simple amateur radio equipment and using the Rascal software. Antenna restrictions in Belgium get tighter. If you think it's hard to put up an antenna in some locations here in VK, it's nothing in comparison to what's happening in Belgium. That's where antenna restrictions have gotten even tighter than before, and it's happening with the government blessings. In fact, the rules are so stringent that it could force some hams off the air. Amateur Radio Newsline Skeeter Nash, N5ASH reports.
8: The Belgian National Amateur Radio Society's website has posted an update on the restrictive antenna requirements recently imposed by the Flemish government. The registration seems to apply to antennas that operate between 10 megahertz through 10 gigahertz, the amount of time a ham is actually transmitting, and the power output of his or her station. Going by the latest information, it would appear that Flemish amateurs who transmit less than 175 hours a year at 20 watts effective radiated power or less are required to submit forms to the government for each antenna they have. Multiband antennas require multiple submissions of forms. For instance, a tri-band Yagi antenna for 20, 15, and 10 meters requires three separate submissions. And if any changes are made to an antenna, all of the paperwork must be resubmitted. But wait! It gets worse. If transmissions are made from an antenna for more than 175 hours a year, or with an effective radiated power greater than 20 watts, then it appears the bureaucracy involved is even more complex. You can find out just how bad it is at tinyurl.com slash noticefortxantennas. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Skeeter Nash, N5ASH, reporting from Jonesboro, Arkansas.
9: And finally, this week, using your laptop, iPad, or Kindle during a commercial U.S. flight might become a reality in the not-too-distant future. This would word that the Federal Aviation Administration may be willing to take a second look at its policy on electronics usage aboard airplanes. Amateur Radio Newsline's Fred Bobby, w 8 hdu reports. While some airlines permit very limited use of wireless devices once the aircraft is at altitude, It's actually quite limited, but according to a recent report credited to columnist Nick Bilton and the New York Times, the Federal Aviation Administration has decided to take a look at the proposed use of personal electronics on planes. The report continues by quoting FAA spokesperson Laura Brown. She told the press that with the advent of new and evolving electronic technology, and because the airlines have not conducted the testing necessary to approve the use of new devices, the FAA may be taking a fresh look at the use of personal electronic devices, other than cell phones, on an aircraft. Currently, airline passengers must turn off any electronic device that can transmit or receive a radio signal that cannot be disabled. While the FAA indicates that it is open to testing new devices, it will be more likely to be a long road before any substantial changes take place. This is because every airline giving thought to allowing such operations would first have to test one of each version of a device on each model of every aircraft in its fleet. In Lima, Ohio, Fred Voby W8HDU reporting. Whatever happens, the FAA has already been quoted as saying it will not budge on its policy of not permitting use of mobile phones during a flight. And don't even consider trying to use a ham radio HT on a commercial airliner. Even if that one were lifted by the FAA, the domestic U.S. airlines would likely keep a ban in place in the use of ham gear and other two-way radios on board their flights. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WYA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. Well,
1: here we go again. We've reached the end of the news, this time the Mother's Day edition of WIA National News. And just before we do go, about a month ago I think it would have been, Felix asked that all the people that rebroadcast the news make sure that they were subscribed to the WIA broadcasters at Yahoo group so they could see where the WIA National News was stored as in our backup edition, and also the duration and any special notes that came in. So once again, we do urgently ask you to subscribe. Quite a few stations missed out last week on the news because they weren't aware that the URL had changed. Well, that had changed something like six weeks ago. All that notification had been on the WIA Broadcasters Group. So no matter where you get the news from, no matter whether it's an automatic download, and hopefully the automatic downloads are coming from the podcast, and that's available uh, on wia.org.au. But wherever you're getting it, all the details and any changes, duration, etc., etc. best found when you subscribe to the WIA broadcasters at Yahoo Group. If you need any more information, just email news at wia.org.au. I'm Graham VK for BB walk softly.
7: This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions, www.wia.org.au.
0: We've reported, you decide.